I am a watcher. Part of a secret society of men and women who observe and record, but never interfere. That's right, I'm back. Can you believe it? It has been a few months. I am so sorry about the break. The last time you heard from me, I was telling you stories about a flower delivery. But let's go ahead and back off. Welcome up here to my next Watchers Chronicle podcast. Like I said, I know it's been a while. I've had a little problem here. I injured my back really bad. And the last time I was really able to do one of these things, I told you about my flower deliveries. For those of you who missed that, when I told the story of how over the last seven years, I have delivered flowers to basically people who've been dumped. And after a while, they had moved me up to this, you know, I called the advanced cougar crowd. And in this advanced cougar crowd, I encountered this irate customer, a tinge of madness in her eyes. I called her Norma Desmond after, you know, after the character from Sunset Boulevard. More absolutely just immortalized by Gloria Swanson. Now, for all of those who listened to that story, I'm going to give you a little something about that. I started that story in 2011 following my last divorce. I had the t-shirt made up myself. I wrote the stories myself. But I have never delivered a flower in my life. As I've done this story over the last seven years on Facebook, this became a story that people believed more and more, and I couldn't believe it. And a few years ago, I thought, let's see how far I can push the truth. How far can I push the story? And I turned in the world of a tall tale land. And the best part, I made it unbelievable, but just with enough possibility that it could be true that people believed it. My own cousins have believed it. And I've, been, I've had to let him down now and say, I'm sorry, but I've never delivered a flower in my life. I've never delivered can, candy in my life. And I've never met anybody who truly reminded me of Norma Desmond. For all of those of you who've read this story over the last seven years, who tuned into the podcast and listened to the, the entire reiteration of it, thank you. I've really enjoyed telling that story, but it has come to an end, obviously. Thank you again for listening to that. Now, let's go ahead and get on with what is this podcast? What the hell am I doing here? This podcast was inspired by the television series and the movie The Highlander. In this series, let's go ahead and go to the television series, and well, we really can't skip the movie. The movie was immortalized by Christopher Lambert as the, in the great fight against the Kurgan. The whole concept being that there are among us these group of people, these immortals, they're hiding in plain sight, but the big thing is they cannot die, but they are in this little civilization of their own. They're battling each other to be the very last immortal left living. The way they battle an immortal to death is to cut off each other's heads, and so they're running around with swords and engaging each other in open combat to become the final, the final immortal. The first movie was the sleeper success. They couldn't believe how fantastic it went over. They did a second movie, which was horrible. And finally, they decided, well, let's do a television series. They approached Scott Lambert again about doing it, but Lambert was never the great swordsman. He had trouble learning the fights. He wasn't even that good of speaking English. I don't even think mine's that good at times. 
But he did not speak English well. And he had to learn a lot of it phonetically, line by line. And he could not do a television series with his own restrictions. And they went looking for somebody else, and they found this in the person of Adrian Paul. And instead of being Connor McLeod from the television series, they made him, they made Adrian Paul be a kinsman, a, somebody who would come a hundred years later, and from the same clan, actually, the clan McLeod, and therefore was a kinsman to Connor, and Connor would actually become his teacher. Duncan McLeod was the character's name. As the series went on, they introduced a new group of people, the Watchers. As part of the Watchers, we were introduced to the actor and the character of Joe Dawson, as played by Jim Burns. Jim Burns, the Canadian, is an actual paraplegic who plays a paraplegic in this show as he did in a previous show. The Watchers were somebody, well, they were a group. They had discovered the mortals, you know, thousands of years ago. And as such, they decided that instead of hunting them down or anything else, that they would record their lives. These immortals are people who existed, you know, within our own communities, but they couldn't be noticeable. They had to be somebody who could disappear and reappear as needed. And the Watchers track them. They watch them without the immortals' knowledge. The concept to me was fascinating. I'm a voyeur in life. I watch people. And the, that part of the show really, I guess, it spoke to me. And, you know... You know, the watchers were all identified by a tattoo on their wrist, and I have since had that tattoo myself. You know, why a fandom? Possibly, you know, just relation? Maybe, but that's where it is. Now, that explains this podcast and what I'm doing here. Now, is this podcast related directly to the show? No. Inspired by it, yes, but affiliated, no. And as I've gone on, you know, I've told some stories here. It's, you know, we've had to talk about even like, what's the format? And of course, then why this big break if it's something I'm trying to do? Well, the big break happened because of my back. I injured my back back at the end of January. So when I told that story about the flower deliveries, I had a lot of trouble just getting through it. You should have seen all of the edits I had just because my back was hurting and I had to take a break. As the weeks came on, as I was going through treatment, I've had two spinal injections since then, a whole lot of physical therapy. It was just difficult to sit there and, you know, deal with the concept of doing a podcast for the entire time wondering if at any second my back was going to spasm out and I was going to stop and go, oh, my back! You know, it's just, I mean, I know I'm an old guy already, but that's, you know, having to cry about your back every five minutes makes you feel even older. So I just held off for a bit. And then one of my springtime things that comes up is the Renaissance Festival. Yes, I'm one of those geeks. Please deal with it. Well, that came up, and next thing I knew, every Sunday came along. I normally do these on Sunday, and I was so exhausted, I had no voice from the fair, and I didn't even have time to do it. And the fair finally ended, and I finally got a chance to come in and you know, continue on with these. So as we try to find my format and what it's going to permanently be, we need to start off. I made the comment, this, this whole thing is inspired by the television series Highlander, featuring, featuring Adrian Paul. Well, Adrian Paul had his birthday yesterday, so everybody, wish Adrian Paul a happy birthday. 
Okay, you've done it. At least I hope you did it. But yeah, Adrian, congratulations. Thanks a lot. Adrian's doing something else now. He has got his own charity. It's something that he is very fond of. It, it actually is close to his near and dear to his heart. The Peace Fund. Protect, educate, aid children every day. For him, there's a, there's a Peace Fund radio that he does for a podcast. He has this, his own Twitter site on it. But any donations to this charity will support him greatly. He sells t-shirts, whatever it is. And something else, he has started doing what's called the Sword Experience. But we'll get back to that later. I've been trying to decide just what this podcast is going to be about. As a watcher, I notice things in the world around me. I notice funny things that happen at work. I notice funny things that happen on the streets. I notice crazy things that happen over at the fitness center. Things happen everywhere, and it's kind of fun to bring them to life, bring them to note, maybe sometimes rant about things. This may bore you. This may intrigue you. This may be something that you think you want to hear my opinion on something. On each of these podcasts, there is a comment section. I would love to hear your thoughts, even if it's something like, get the hell off the air, you dumb idiot. But if there's something you'd like to hear me talk about my opinions, please go forth on it. The one thing I'm not going to talk about, or I'm sorry, the two things I'm not going to talk about is going to be politics and is going to be religion. The reason why, especially with some of our politics area, the who's president, the policies out there, gun laws, is people seem to have lost the art of a discussion. There's no longer a back-and-forth discussion, a sharing of ideas, a sharing of opinions. What I've noticed and what is discouraging is so many people, instead of wanting to talk about things, would rather just rant, call you names if you don't agree, insult your intelligent, and insult your parents, insult whatever they can about it. Because, by God, how dare you disagree with them? That's one of the things this country is made up on is, you know, our freedom of speech. And that's one of the things to remember regardless of everything. You have a freedom of speech. You have the right to disagree but at the same time, I have the right to have a different opinion from you without being you know, criticized by you because of that. Let's just have at times agree to disagree. So thanks for listening to my thoughts on that. And I've been trying to say I'm trying to find my format. And I'm trying to avoid turning this into a cheesy you know. Stand-up comedy act. I'm not a stand-up comedian. If I was, I'd be making money that way. But I'm not. I'm just somebody who has things to say. And sometimes it's going to be funny. Sometimes it's going to be dramatic. Who knows what's going to be next? I mean, let's face it. I've thought about all kinds of things in life. One day I was getting ready to go to work and getting my stuff together. I'm a, I'm a computer programmer, so I've got a computer bag. And I was going to go to the gym, so I was getting my gym bag together. And it was just struck me. How many things in this world we pack a bag for? And the next thing you know, I had this weird kind of Jerry Seinfeld routine running through my head talking about all the things we pack and what we pack here and what we pack there. It was somewhere between Seinfeld and George Carlin. And as I thought about that, it just hit me that what the hell am I trying to do here? Because I'm not those guys and I'm not a cross between them. And I didn't want to insult anybody who's listening to me with thoughts on that. thought, well, what about if I talk about movies? You know, I may do that in the future. 
um, as I talk about movies, it could be an old movie that I especially especially like. I have got a love of old movies. Everything from The Silence, you know, the early talkies. You know, Clark Gable was a big influence on some of my styles along the way. As even Cary Grant. And we'll go forward. We can go into the 70s. Peter Fonda. The different, you know, we're going to have to have Star Wars. Let's face it. Come on, it's out there. But you have the different movies, the different styles. And for me, whenever I see a movie, I have a different idea of, than other, if you want to call them critics. And other critics, they give you this thumbs up, thumbs down of it's good, it's bad, we recommend it or don't. For, for me, I've always had my own thing on there because you go to the theater and it what's cost now, was it cost back seven, eight bucks? And of course now we have all the theaters that with the nice big recliners, they're gonna have drinks, food and everything else. And dinner in a movie suddenly is the movie at the dinner and you're easily spending 50 bucks to go see movie and have some really crappy food. And my thought would be, so if, if I base this just off the, the ticket price, was the movie worth what I paid for it? Would the movie be worth paying for that same price a second time, or should I wait for the dollar theater? Should I wait for it to come out on free TV? Should I wait for it to come out on Netflix? Should I just wait for it to come out on commercial television and then just change the channel? And that's been my thing for the rating for it. It's like, what was it good to me? How did I like it? How did it impact me? I've seen some movies that I liked, others couldn't stand. Once again, it's that freedom to have a difference of opinion. I've thought about books. I am an avid reader. I know others who read more than I do. They read faster than I do. But I I do enjoy my books. I've... Uh, Love my Stephen King novels. I just picked up the newest Stephen King novel the other day. And I am currently reading what's called the Sword of Truth series. And I'll let you, if you would like to know more about that, we can I can point you to that website for what it is. But it's it's kind of funny. It, it does involve the world of magic. It involves, you know, of course a good hero, but it this hero seems to be a little different and the pro, the antagonist are definitely a little different from encounter them but they're not a fast read but just just enjoying that but i've got a series of books i'm going for right down to if you remember that movie from the 80s about Remo williams the adventure begins or continues that was from the series of books for the Remo williams books and they are some of my favorite current books a fast read a lot of fun to go with one of the books i discovered years ago when i was in college was this book called the keep and it was written by this author, F. Paul Wilson. And it dealt with a World War II situation where these there's this keep out in the Transylvanian Mountains. And the Germans were going to take over this area because it was a strategic point to defend. And all throughout the castle, this keep, there were these little crosses embedded into them. Next thing you know, the Germans have unleashed some kind of horror upon the world. And elsewhere, something else is awoken who now travels to fight this long-known terror. It goes on from there. They made a book, I'm sorry, they made a movie about it, which was, it rambled. It didn't make sense. It completely needs to be redone. But the book is fantastic. And from there, I thought, well, here's this other book he wrote. It's called The Tomb. 
and it involved this character called Repairman Jack. And Repairman Jack was the next person that became that favorite character. Jack is somebody who, as a young boy, his mother was killed in... He was killed when somebody threw a concrete block off of a bridge and it would crash through the windshield of the car and would kill his mother. This left him haunted. And he became somebody over time who... He became a loner, but he became somebody who worked very hard to fit into society where you never notice him. And as a repairman, he didn't fix toasters, lawnmowers, or television sets. He fixed situations. In the first book, they talked about this man that lived down the street from him. And these kids, you know, tore up his lawn with their cars. And Jack went down there, saw him everything else, and offered to help this man fix his lawn because the old man loved his lawn. No man's attitude is like, what's your friends can come and tear it up again? And Jack explained what they would do to fix the situation. The old man agreed, paid him some money, and they worked together to fix the yard up, and they did some extra special things along the way. Later on, Jack would hear the screeching of tires and the big crash, and he knew that the plan had worked. They went down there and found the punks were in their cars. Both cars trashed. One of the guys had gone to the windshield, landing on the lawn, it seems they had hidden concrete blocks behind some of the, the, the bushes. And they'd done other things to basically mine the lawn. And when these guys came back to destroy it, they, they ended up in a not very good way. The old man paid Jack his money, and he would go on to do other things to fix situations, fix things for people and make lives better. It became a series of books, and I mentioned The Keep. The bad character from that one would come back and the, would be intertwined with the books of the Repairman Jack series. A lot of books on there. Highly recommend them if you wanted something, if you've never seen it before and you're into a bit of a horror novel. What else we've got about? What else have I thought about? Well, a friend of mine, Norman. Norman over there works on the Blood of Kings podcast which is a podcast that deals with the television shows Highlander the cartoon series sometimes some old books they've also got their discovery which deals with things like the Orville and Star Trek Discovery and well Norman has recently discovered the world of smoking pipes and loved it and he's I've talked to him given some guidance on there he tells me that I should talk about, about pipes and I think they'd be great but we need to get the audience to be a little bit different because, first off, I don't know enough about pipes to really speak about them for 30 minutes at a time. And I'm not sure who on here would want to sit there and hear about it. But, of course, let's face it, smoking in this society is something that's no longer favored. There was a time people gathered in clubs to go smoke together. They smoked cigars, smoked pipes, whatever. And that is going away. We're moving to different things. It's becoming... Undesired, one of the undesirable things going on as this world, as this world moves on. So, uh, Norman, thank you for the suggestion, but I think I'm going to leave that to somebody who knows more and can get that captive audience just in that particular area. So, there's still the question of what will I talk about, and one thing was suggested was, you know, like I said, I noticed the things going on in the world about me, things that are said, things that are little out of place and things that sometimes just slide right on by and I've got this warped demented mind that picks up on these things one thing I might be doing I'm gonna call it you know office hijinks 
these are things that have gone on the office that are said, done, that, oh, my God, how did we get away with that? So, you know, just a couple quick ones here. First off, we were always on a recent conference call, and they were talking about this new system that's going to be going into place, how it's going in, all the places that you go to, the little different things you do, and all the buttons you're going to have to do to make it operate back and forth. And somebody was on this call, and they asked, well, well what does this button on the bottom left do? And the moderator said, well, that's just, that's just a plain vanilla button. And my mind immediately went into overdrive, thinking, oh, so it's just the vanilla button, not the bondage domination button. Okay, so which button do I hit for the dominatrix? And I started going all kinds of crazy places that you can't, at times you're so glad you have your, your microphone on mute. But another time, it's like, this is one of the world of our political correctness. And, you know, with that political correctness, we are trying so hard to be careful what we say in the office at all times. And like I said, there are times, there are times that I feel that, that <laughs> my filter is going away. It's like, okay, just shut up. You know, don't say a word. Keep everything on mute and just let it go by. Not always easy. But there was a time. Oh, I used to work at one company, and you know we weren't doing anything nasty, nothing abusive to each other. But there were some mean pranks going on in the office that, you know, as this world continues to move on, are just not going to live. We had paper wad wars in the office. We would sit there and have paper wads ready to go, and we'd be firing them across the office walls. One day we actually got told that we had somebody down from Kansas City, and they would appreciate it if we would hold those to a minimum for the next couple of days. We had one guy, and we'll, we'll, we'll just call him David. I'm trying to remember if David was the perpetrator of this prank or the victim of it. But one day, there was this thought, what is that smell? And they went looking and searching around, and they realized that as he looked behind the blinds, there was a piece of sandwich meat attached to the glass. And, of course, after a while, it gave off that nice, reeking aroma of dried, nasty sandwich meat. There was another guy in the office who, he, you know, he was a bodybuilder. And every day he took a, you know, he liked to eat a little protein snack in the afternoon. And he would open a can of tuna fish. And he would drain the, the oil or water into his trash can and eat his tuna fish. And, you know, for the guy next to him, it, it was this horrible reeking smell. And every day he'd go in there and after that tuna fish break would hose down the other guy's cube with air freshener. Well, one day he got this great idea. And he went over that trash can that was had all that floating oil and water in the bottom of it. He took a paper towel and he stuck it in the bottom of that trash can and soaked up all that tuna juice he possibly could. And then he went over to another cube and rolled that paper towel up and put it underneath the keyboard, of the keyboard tray. So when that guy got back, it just reeked, and they couldn't find it. It took them quite a while to find it. That makes me even think of my first job when I was out of college. We had a lady there named Rosemary. I can give her name because, by God, she, if, if she even knows who I am now, I mean, she, she's got to be dead. She was ancient back then. And, well, she couldn't stand the smell of bananas. I mean, if anybody around her is eating bananas, she searched them out forced them to go eat that banana elsewhere because she could not tolerate the smell of a banana. And 
as a result of this, one day a guy was eating a banana. And so I said, oh, you better be glad Rosemary's not over here. She'd make you go to the other floor and eat that. He's like, you're right. She's not in the office, is she? And he went down to her office, and he pulled one of the drawers of her desk out and put the banana behind the drawers in the little cavity back there and left it. When she got back in the office, she could smell bananas. She swore she could smell bananas. She went to every cube around her trying to find out who had that banana because she knew it was there somewhere, and she was going to find it. And I think what finally happened was she quit looking for it. The banana finally rotted to the point it no longer stunk any longer. But just, like I said, things that we've gotten away with in the office in the past, you know, they were just I guess, fun, mean, whatever else, but would never fly today because, well, our world has moved on. Has moved on all right. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? A necessary thing? I'll let you answer that. But I'm also going to talk about stuff that goes on at the gym. Last year, I had my knee scoped out, and Doc told me that I am going to have my knee replaced at some point. He said, first thing you do is you can get some weight off that knee, and that will help it. And after going through physical therapy, it's like, okay, it's time to get into the gym. And I was disgruntled and got in there and started working at it. And, you know, I'm doing better. I've, you know, starting to get a little tone on my body. I've got lost a lot of weight. But I've seen a lot of people at the gym, and it's, it's hilarious. Now, first off, there are people at the gym of all sizes. And if there's somebody, you know, two, 300 pounds in there, whatever, they're coming in there, I am not going to make fun of that person. They are in there trying to to better themselves, make themselves healthier, whatever else. So anybody trying to better themselves, we're not going to make fun of them for that. Where I am going to poke fun. The people who are in there and just being, oh my God, are you serious? First off, the bros. One day, because you know, I come from work, so I have to go in there and change clothes. And there's a couple of them in there, they're talking, and one guy was just doing his humble bragging. And he was complaining to his friend about how he just didn't know what he was going to do because he's working out all the time, he's doing all this, but now his shirt's just starting to get so tight, and he just didn't know what he's going to do about that. And it's like, oh my God, you're you're over here bragging to the guy and trying to make it sound bad because you've, you've put on a little bit another half inch or inch to your chest, and you're going to have to buy a bigger shirt. Whoopty freaking do, but just had to make it like that. You know, just that little humble brag bit. And we got some of the bros doing it. We got the bros have walked in there. I've actually seen these go, hey, bro, hey, bro, doing the little fist bump, the exploding fists on this. It's like, think, oh my God. One day, I mean, you go in there, locker room pictures. I don't know what the hell is with locker room pictures, but there's a guy in there standing in front of the mirror and he's pulling up his shirt to admire his abs and then pulling up his phone to take a picture of it. I guess he's going to post this on, you know, the fitness company, you know, the, the Instagram. So he can show everybody, Oh my God, look how great these abs are. Don't you wish you could touch them? Blah, blah, blah. Another day I'm walking through there and there's a couple of younger ones on there. And it was so hard not to, it was so hard to keep a straight face because this kid is in there. He's got his shirt off. And he's doing the biggest bodybuilder pose he can with his shoulders all humped up around his around his face and making a big face as he's trying to make it all there. 
and he's holding up his phone to one hand, trying to get himself in this great bodybuilder pose. And he's turning red in the face while he's trying to get this picture. And a few minutes later, I walk by again, and now he's trying to get a picture of his back. He just can't figure out how to flex his back in that bodybuilder pose and get the picture. So he's, get, he's passing his phone to a buddy over there and go, hey, can you get a picture of my back for me? This kid must have weighed 120 pounds. There was hardly any muscle on him, but by God, he was going to show everybody how he was going towards his bodybuilder physique. But the crazy thing that drives me nuts, I mean, this is the one, it's like, you look at these people, it's like, are you freaking nuts? Okay, women. Women come in there, they've got their hair, and you'll tie their hair into the little knot on top of their head, and it looks fine on them. But some of these guys... What the hell is with the douche knot? I mean, it is getting more and more prevalent all the time. The guys come in there, they have to take their hair tied up into this little tiny ball on top of their head so that everybody can see that they've got a little knot of hair. And I'm not talking about the guys with long hair. I mean, I've got long hair. It's tied back in a ponytail, bandana, whatever. But these are guys who look like they go to the barbershop every other week to maintain a meticulous haircut line above their ears and in the back of the neck to keep it just absolutely perfect for what they want to look like in the office. And then they pull their hair up in this perfect little part at the middle of their head, pull it up so their bangs that don't even come near their eyes will be kept out of their eyes, and this little tiny one-inch knot of hair sticking out above the top of their head. And more and more of them see this, and it's like, I, I mean, is what the hell is with this? If somebody can explain to me what the big deal is about guys pulling their hair into a knot on the top of their head. If you want to look like you have long hair, grow your hair long. If you're not going to, just don't worry about it. I mean, tying your hair up in that little tiny knot is not going to keep the sweat out of your eyes. So I, I just, I don't I'm sorry, I don't get this. So if someone can explain this to me, like I said, the comments are down there below this podcast. Please, if you do the douche knot and want to sit there and tell me why you wear it, and you know, so that I will come back and personally apologize to you for calling it a douche knot. But otherwise, I mean, get get over yourselves, guys. I mean, sorry. If you want long hair, grow your hair long. So what else have I been doing recently? Okay, I, I mentioned Adrian Paul and his sword experience earlier. Last year was my first time to do this. Now, the first time I heard about it was two years ago when he was in when Adrian Paul was in Austin. Sorry, when Adrian Paul was in Houston at the ill-fated SpaceCon. That's a completely different story of a complete total muck up of a con. And he ran his sword experience. I knew a couple people who participated in this now what he does in this he runs a seminar it takes around four hours and he basically groups you up he gives you this wooden boken now a boken is a wooden practice sword that is used to train people in how to use the, the a katana blade he teaches you some basic maneuvers some basic moves and then lays out a choreographed sword fight and they may be from a, a particular movie. It may be from a television show. 
from something else. And he teaches, and at the end of it, they'll get they've got photographers running around, so they get pictures of you. He tries to work with every person there, so every person there can say they worked directly with the Highlander himself. I did my first one in Dallas a year ago, and we got real lucky because it was this little place, um, this little mansion that had done a corporate event the day before, and so they got the land for free. So we did this in this beautiful outdoor location around this lake, and we did this little, this small fight scene. It was just a portion of the full fight from this, you know, the path of the samurai. And we took our parts for doing it. Now, for me, I was one month past my knee get, getting scoped out. And there was a couple moves that just hurt like hell. One that was just like, this ain't going to freaking happen, not in this lifetime. But we still learned them. And, I mean, I struggled through it. I was, you know, still had, I think I only lost seven pounds. So I was still, you know, I was still way up there. And, you know, just, it was a lot of work to get through it. But at the end of the day, it's like, oh, my God, I survived that. Came home, you know, packed. I, I saw my knee for the next few hours. Got the pictures. And there it was. Man, I, there were, I was sparring with the Highlander. Well, then... Los Angeles happened, and in lot last year in October, they had the big anniversary of the Highlander show, and with a big a huge con, all of the major actors were there from it, including I made my comment about Jim Burns, the Watcher. He was there. I got to meet him, talk to him about his his rhythm and blues music. If you've never heard it, check it out. And it was a great time. But we, Adrian did the sort of experience there, and we did a fight there from one of the television shows. And I actually did two of them that day. So in the morning, I fought on one side of the fight. In the afternoon, I fought on the other side of the fight. And you know, I got some great film off of it. And the part of the sequence they shot has actually been used in his commercials for other sort of experiences events that are going to take place in Europe this summer. Now I was just, I was very, I felt very. Well, happy, complimented, whatever else. So I'd learned enough that I looked good enough for them to say, yes, we're going to do this. At the same time he was talking about, we have people who've, who have no skills and they're showing me on the screen. So it could have been like the little bit about, this is what you don't want to do. I don't know. <laughs> but at least I was there. And, you know, so we did these. And, you know, so we've been doing these things. So I've, you know, I've done three of these and got to meet all the people from the Highlander. Met Elizabeth Grayson. Met Adrian, met you know Peter Wing, you know Peter Wingfield, Jim Burns. Met the producer, the you know the, the showrunner, you know Clay Boris who directed these things. Had an awesome weekend, you know a time that I'm always going to remember. But still, I think along the way it just got me to work that much harder on it. Adrian told this story last year during Dallas of a Japanese master. He won. He's the he's the master who's won more fights than anybody else. He won more than half of them with using this wooden boken. And they talked about what it took for him to achieve what he did. And this has become, you know, a big personal story for me over this last year as I've been continuing to lose weight. I've lost right as of right now I've lost over 45 pounds. And, you know, I've had, you know, I've had spinal injections. I've had a hernia surgery during all this time. So nothing has stopped me. Nothing's going to stop me as I continue to get down to my goal weight and continue on with this. And this a few weeks ago, you know, like, you know I, I planned this trip back in January. Would it happen? Could it happen? I didn't know. My back was killing me. And I had that second spinal injection. The, the last of the pain was freed up and I knew I could make it. And I got back there and continued my, my work in the gym to be ready for this. And back on Mother's Day weekend, got on the Harley and rode on the Harley across New Mexico 
to Albuquerque, and there we had a sort of experience there. Got to meet him again, and it's, it's fantastic meeting him because you know, he's seen me change over the past year. He's seen the drop away. He asked me how I'm doing, and I said, you better never. He looks at me and goes, I know you. I've seen you. I've seen you, you know, fight before. Go to the experience side. He, you know, he'll tell people they have experience before, and, you know, martial arts experience, if they didn't have historic experiences before, but he's, or he thinks they're good enough. He'll go to the experience side. So I was that huge compliment right there of just like, I've seen you. Just do it. Once again, did it. You know, I got to tour around Albuquerque, Santa Fe. Beautiful pair of cities. Stayed at a and b over in Albuquerque. That was unbelievable. This is my first time to do it at Airbnb, and we'll be doing many more of these. But like I said, out there doing this thing, and we're at this historic yards for Albuquerque. It's the old historic Albuquerque rail yards that once employed you know, up to 25% of the Albuquerque workforce. Now now it's pretty much, now it's abandoned. And the uh, city of Albuquerque is trying to turn this into a venue for nightclubs. They've got a weekend market there now. If you're in Albuquerque, go visit the market on Sundays. But it was just a chance to do it and you know, talk to him again and you know, tell him the story that, you know, the story he told for me became a personal inspiration for me. It was, it was a lot of fun and greatness on this one. Adrian is a man who works hard. He he trains hard. He's we're still an actor. He's doing his sort of experience to help fund his his peace fund charity. So what I'm going to say here is if you are interested in doing something like this, go to www.swordxp.com. Go and down to where the, the store is. Look at the tickets for future events. Find one close to you. Find one you're willing to travel to. If you want to challenge yourself to see what your endurance is. If you want to find something new, if you're into martial arts and have done sword work before, want to learn something new about it, do one of these. You'll, you may find out something about yourself. And for some people, I mean, they've done several of these. Each one, each person gets their something. Each person gets their own unique thing out of it. I mean, it may be a, something as simple as Counting, you know, it's like another notch on the boken for how many they've done. For some person, I mean, one guy talked about he discovered things that he could do more than he thought possible. For me, it became this inspiration to work harder, to have this drive as I as I continue to lose weight, to get healthier. For others, it's meant, you know, so much. When my girlfriend did it, for her it was she didn't think she could do it. And afterwards, they came to the end, like, wait, I've been doing this for four hours. She couldn't believe she had that stamina. We got back you know, from the trip, and she has been more ready to work out in the gym than ever before she, because she has more confidence in herself simply from this one thing. It can be whatever you want it to be. You can get out of it whatever you want to get out of it. It can get out of it simply that you had a chance to spar with the Highlander himself. If you're interested, go take a look. If you're not interested, if you know if you know who I am, go check out my pictures on PBase or on Facebook, and you know, just go for it. But you, you never know what you might find. But I said that's what I've been up to. You know, that's what I've been up to recently. Of course, last thing is Renaissance fairs. Yes, I'm one of those geeks. I dress up in garb. I go to these things. I have a lot of fun. I drink a lot of wine. I've got a lot of friends from all over the state of Texas, and I've made a lot, I've made a lot of good friends this way. And 
you have had to say goodbye to some friends through death, through just distance, just because the world has moved on. And sometimes friendships are go side by side for a while, and you go different ways. And a friendship's still there, and you know you'll revisit a close friendship again from time to time, but you just don't experience that friendship up close for a while. And But that's one of the beautiful things about the Friends on Sphere, the people that go to it, is we become a community. We may not see each other for a year at a time. We may not talk to each other for a year at a time. But we've got friendships that go beyond it. So next time you see somebody going to Renaissance Fair, dressing the garb, thinking, oh, my God, you absolute goofball, just know they're going out to hang out with a bunch of friends. And with that, I'd like to come to a comment. This will be the closing part of this, this, this cast. This last Monday was Memorial Day. And as part of Memorial Day, we remember those soldiers who have gone before us. We've lost them in battle. We've had them survive, come home, survive their PTSD. Some have given into it. Others have outlasted it and you know died a soldier's death in bed. This is our time to remember them. For me. I have two members of my family I think of when it comes to this time. They were both in World War II. My mother's brother was a bombardier on the B-16s over Germany. He would fly his successful missions. In fact, he flew his missions. I'll keep the number later on. A couple years ago on Facebook, I wrote a pseudo-diary about his experiences and what it would be like. I tried to put myself into his position as a bombardier at the very nose of that B-17 as it flew across Germany, going into the site where they would drop their bombs to, you know, uh, to you know, fight this enemy. I've done some research on it, you know, the other members of the squadron, other members of the bomb group, the things that were said, the orders given, and it really got to me over time, and so I created this diary. For me, I was trying to show other people what it was like to be a bombardier, you know, a young bombardier, probably he's like 21, 22 years old, in the Army Air Corps in World War II in an environment where you were told you could not live past your 12th mission. It was statistically impossible to survive to that goal of 25. And I've got some notes from his missions that have survived across the years. And I researched the missions and created a pseudo-diary. And this fall, I may be doing that again. And only this time over the podcast, rereading those. Well, my other relative is my grandfather. He was a chaplain in the 82nd Airborne. And I've decided to call this little piece Letters Home from a Soldier. A few months ago, my cousin got a hold of me and said, I've got something for you. They had been cleaning out a storage facility of theirs. My my grandparents died about, oh God, trying to, almost 30 years ago. And when, you know, bef- before my grandmother died, they had to put her into a nursing home. And, of course, to pay for this, you've got to sell the house. So they cleared everything out of the house house as fast as possible. And one thing in there was this trunk. They didn't know what was in there. It was stuck in this 
one part of the house where it had been well protected, well preserved, and they just stuck it in their storage facility and forgot about it. And for almost 30 years, they'd forgot about it. So they were over there. My This is my aunt and uncle's storage facility. So they're over there cleaning it out because my aunt and uncle are getting older. They thought, we need to make sure we don't have just have leave these mysteries to the kids. Let's do this while we're alive. So they got the kids up there, and they're cleaning it out. They found a bass boat that had been in there since the early 80s. And they found this trunk. And in this trunk was several items. One thing was a flag which a family would hang outside their house to indicate that they had a son over in the war. I have got plans for one, some of the early battle plans, for one of the battles that would follow Normandy, which, if it had been successful, would have ended the war a full year earlier. And there were letters I don't know if my father remembered these letters because you know my father died a few years ago and he never spoke of the letters that had been written home to him. But these were letters written home during the 1941 to 1945 time frame. And my grandfather would be asking what was going on. And as we pass this Memorial Day, I'm going to grab two letters at random from the stack to read to you. And I'm calling this Letters home letters to home from a soldier now my grandfather would have been in probably Africa during this time this was dated July 21st 1943 and the one thing you can tell from the letter is the one thing he wanted more than anything else was news from home I got a whole stack of letters yesterday there were 14 of them, and all but two of them were from you and mother and the girls. I got one from Aunt Anna and Aunt Martha. I'm afraid that I will not be able to bring you any pets from here. Your letters were real interesting. I would like to have some more from you just like that. Can you swim yet? Have you learned to dive too? Did you have a nice time visiting your aunt, your uncles, aunts, cousins, and grandma? How long did you stay at each place? Are you glad to be back again? I am glad you have so many friends in Ponca. I am sending you the only silver lieutenant bar that I had left. I thought I had at least two of them, but I must have lost all but one of them. I am sending you two cloth bars also. I was going to send you a baby camel too, but I couldn't get it to stay in the envelope. Ha! I couldn't even get a baby donkey to stay in it. Write real often to me. Love, Dad. So I said July 21st of 43. So most likely Africa during that particular time frame, you can catch that from the jokes about the camel and the donkey. The next letter was handwritten, so it's going to be a little harder to read. My grandfather did not have the, the easiest handwriting to write. The, most, the easiest handwriting to read. I think it's a trait I personally inherited. How are you tonight? It has been rather cold today. Let's see. This was in North Ireland, January 20th, 1944. So, a warm fire feels good. I'm writing by this stone as I write your letter. We had a chaplain's meeting today where I met the chaplain whose picture is in the December Training Union magazine on page 27. 
you must be a good clarinet player if you can play all of the songs and mother writes me about. Do you like to play? How much do you practice every day? Does your band play at any of the ball games or just at parades? How big is Major now? But Major was the dog. Is he a full grown yet? What do you feed him? I wish you would write me as often as you can. You write such very nice letters. They're interesting too. I did not get any, any new mail today, but I got those letters that mother wrote on October 30th and November 2nd. I like them even though they were almost three months old. Grandma's package has not arrived either. Maybe I will get it soon. Some Christmas packages did come in today. I'm going out in the country tomorrow to visit a Baptist family with the preacher. Last Sunday, a lady 62 years old rode her bicycle four miles to church to to some to something me to hear me preach. Would you walk that far if you could see me? I must go to bed. Good night and keep on being a good boy. Love, Daddy. I've got a stack of these letters. I haven't been able to read through them all yet. If I started right now, it's late at night. Maybe I could be finished by this time tomorrow night. Well, I guess this for this Memorial Day, you know, there's, there's so many soldiers that were, they gave their all. They did it all. They gave their all. And, you know, just remember them well. Remember them what they did. My grandfather had a purple heart. And I never knew how he got it. So, you know, I asked him one day. And he said, well, there wasn't room for him in the trenches. when he." And so he was on the outside of the trench. And, uh, you know, a mortar went off in front of him. He took some shrapnel to the leg. And he acted like it was nothing. At his funeral, a man showed up, uh, an older man in a suit, and he introduced himself, and it was it was his general. He told the rest of the story. They were part of the glider reg the glider infantry regiment that was attached to the 82nd Airborne, and when they would go in, they would actually set up a crossfire, and he said that when they landed. Within 30 minutes, every junior officer was dead, except for his chaplain. And he goes, so you know I kept him hustling around, taking care of stuff. He said, but after a few hours, things got settled into the pace of the fighting. They had the crossfire set up, and you know, their job was to, set up, to shut off the supply lines coming into the Germans fighting you know, at Normandy while the other Allied forces attacked from the beach. And... They said they noticed that he kept my grandfather kept going up to the front lines, and he asked him what he why he was doing that, and he goes, "Well, I'm going up there to be with the men," and they said, "Don't listen. We're bringing him back to you. You wait back here. Your your job is at the aid station. You set it up. You maintain it there. That's where the, that's where the men are coming to." And my grandfather said, "I don't think you understand. By the time you get him back to me, they're already dead." And so he'd gone up to the front lines where the fighting was going on and men dying in the trenches and so he would be working with the dying men praying with them as they died 
and there wasn't room for him in the trenches. So he had to be on the outside working with the dying men on the inside when the mortar went off, and they carried my grandfather back next. He was fine with the shrapnels in the leg, and, you know, they patched him up pretty quick, and he was on to, you know, come to the forces even farther on past Normandy. So that was your letters from letters from a soldier. This Memorial Day has left us. We got a lot of guys over there in different parts of the world. If you're interested, yeah, I'm sure you can reach out and find organizations to be a friend to one. I've got a feeling from the letters I just read to you, one of these guys would like to make a friend back home and just hear about what goes on during somebody else's normal day. Okay, that's going to be it for tonight. I've gone a lot longer than normal. Well, my normal, I've only done, this I think is my fourth, my normal is about, about 30 minutes. I haven't had all the interlude music or anything else, so let's get back to that next time, and I find something else to talk about. If there's something you want to hear me talk about, if there's something you, you want to hear me shut up about, please, you know, like, put the comments down there. This is getting off the ground. For me, it's giving me a chance to do this thing. Now, maybe I'll read a caption out of the Stephen King book next time. Or who knows what can happen. Maybe I'll see a movie to talk about. But I'd like to hear your thoughts. And If you've listened to me at all so far, give me some feedback. Let me know what you're thinking. And I'd love to hear it. Just keep in touch, guys. Listen, this is, this is Cuthbert. I'm signing off. Your watcher out here on the... You're watching out here in the middle of the night. Thank you and have a nice night. There's no